Welcome to the School Business Leadership Podcast. Today, we are getting strategic. We are looking at six specific tools that can help us to have more strategic conversations with SLT. And if you don't know how the TV show Friends relates to strategic leadership, then you are about to be enlightened. Stand by for Bear Claw, We Were On A Break, and why Joey is actually smarter than you think. On today's episode, I'm joined by Helen Burge. Helen is Deputy Chief Operating Officer at the Priory Learning Trust, having previously held several roles in education, including School Administrator, Bursa, and School Business Manager. Before moving into education, she worked in personnel in an IT software house, then moved into training before becoming an IT lecturer at a local college. A family friend, a private school trustee, suggested she apply for the Bursa's assistant role at a school in a nearby town, and she's now worked in education for 19 years in a private school, a community school, and a church school, which converted to an academy and joined a MAT. She's a fellow of the Institute of School Business Leadership and leader of the Somerset School Business Leaders Isbel Regional Group, as well as a school resource management advisor. It's fair to say Helen is a busy lady. She's recently <laughs> undertaken the Level 7 SIPFA School Financial and Operational Leadership Qualification, having already completed CSBM, DSBM, and ADSBM. She's also a blogger and, like me, a super fan of the TV show Friends. Today, Helen and I will be talking about six tools that can help SBLs to have more strategic conversations with their SLT, or as we like to call it, the one with all the tools. <laughs> Welcome, Helen. It's great to have you today. Oh, thanks very much, Laura. It's great to be here. So first of all, before we dive into these tools, how did you get into Friends? Um, well, last century when I was at uni, uh, so a long time ago, um, when it was first out, actually, it was one of the highlights of the week uh, to all gather around in Nikki's bedroom because it had, even though it was the smallest room, it had the biggest TV. And we would mm -hmm. all pile in, watch friends, and then go and get ready for a night out. So it's got good memories of shared watching, I suppose. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, really, really old good memories. How did you get into friends? Oh, uh, the first episode I saw, I think, was the one where Rachel went to meet Ross at the airport and he came He came back with a new girlfriend, um, Julie, I think it was. Yeah. So from then on, I was hooked. We were on a break. Every time I hear that phrase, it just makes me laugh. Do you still watch it now? Um, I do. If I can find it anywhere on wherever it's streaming, then I do watch it as long as my husband isn't around because he thinks I've watched it uh, long enough because <laughs> obviously I've had all the videos um and and so now he thinks that you, you that was last year last year last century you don't need to watch it anymore but I do love it oh. I, I get my enjoyment now from sharing gifts with you actually on Twitter about friends oh yeah um and and even that makes me smile so yeah it's all good stuff it is it's the best feeling ever I think when you you meet someone who knows friends so well um and it, like I say it's just one reference that can just make you smile so how does friends relate to leadership tools I'm intrigued uh, well, they don't really, uh, <laughs> but I, I've linked the characters, main characteristics to them, I suppose. Um, so we're going to look at um, six tools that cover a range of uses, um, including analysing external factors, internal perceptions, financial metrics, prioritisation, objectives and root causes. Um, and of course, everyone's probably now trying to work out how on earth they relate to friends. So, um, yeah, we'll cover that soon. Okay, so everyone should now be as intrigued as me. I can't wait. So these tools. So what tools are we talking about for school business leaders? What what would they be used for? Um, well, I think if we sort of go back a bit about the fact that you, as a school business leader, you, you 
potentially could be the only non-pedagogical leader on your leadership team or in your middle leadership tier. And so it's to almost give you a bit of resource to help you with any discussions and any conversations that you might be having, specifically strategic conversations with your leadership team, just to give you the, the right sort of data in the right format and at the right time, really. So it, it's it's not necessarily will help all the strategic team. It might just help that school business leader um, feel a little bit more confident about raising a certain issue. Um, and I think as Diana Asagi has said, you know, um, so Diana is the founder of the Academy of Women's Leadership. Um, and she tells us that SBLs are captains of the army of change. So mm, I see I like these that. tools as um, part of a, a part of the um, ammunition. But it's not physically confrontational, um, yeah. but part of the yeah the toolbox that, that all SBLs should have. These tools are part of the strategic improvement cycle. And um, so if I just let you know what that is now, what I'm actually talking about. Um, so it's basically your mission, vision, strategy, values and behaviours. That, that's your um, your strategy. And the, the improvement cycle is looking at, um, is diagnostic to start with, and then prioritisation. Mm-hmm. Then the 100-day plan made famous by Joe Biden. Um, oh, and then right. capacity, and then how you're going to deliver on that, and then evaluate it, and then the transmission transmission phase. So these tools, um, they're not going to cover all those areas. They're actually going to cover four areas. And we're going to start with um, diagnosis. Okay. So in this stage, we have how many of the tools are in the diagnosis stage? There's actually two. And we're going to start with PESL. Um, oh, right. Which, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, PESL is basically, um, well, a long time ago, it used to just be called PEST, actually, when I was at uni. Um, doing my business studies degree, it was PEST, it was political, economic, social and technological um, external factors and influencing on an organisation. And then some of my lecturers started talking about there being an additional L for legal, which always mm. helped with uh, padding out your word count um, in your assignment. Mm-hmm. And that now, of course, we've got E for environmental factors. So it says PESL. Um, so... I'm associating this tool with Chandler because he always has a smart word to say about any situation, person, social occasion, etc. But in terms of what a school business manager um, or school business leader would use PESL for, it might be that they're, when they're preparing for um, uh, a business case or they're looking at their admission numbers and they're trying to understand why they've um, fallen or that they're going to be increasing and all those external factors that could be influencing um, those changes in admission numbers so they could literally just write a grid with PESL and and think about the the economic reasons for um, changes in admissions numbers it could be that your local area has got quite a lot of family-sized homes but people don't move out of them I know that there's villages near me that have had that situation and yeah. and so new families don't come in so um it means that school schools in that local local area um don't get new children in so it could be as simple as that or it could be um more complicated i can't think of a complicated example at the minute i'm afraid <laughs> so, so it's the pestle is the external then is it like you say so anything that would apply to your community or your stakeholders so it's different for everyone Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, there could be some similarities in, in a sort of geographical area, 
but there's no point mm. in copying somebody else's pestle for your for your own school um mm. use it as a sort of guide but um it, it is unique to your school and i think that forms then part of the conversation with the other um leaders um in your school is to understand that context and i think especially maybe if you're new to a school and mm. um, new to the area to, to actually complete one of those of a pestle uh, might help um, increase your awareness and understanding of the context of the school. I, think be... I like that. Yeah, mm, I was I was thinking that because we spend a lot of time looking inwards, don't we? Oh, um, definitely. And to, to look outwards, I think from a strategic point of view, is always helpful. Definitely, definitely. Um, so you talked about internal. Um, the next thing I was going to talk about is actually um, a, a diagnostic tool, which is internal, which is SWOT which I'm sure everyone's uh, yeah. heard of, <laughs> strengths, <Yes>. weaknesses, <laughs> opportunities and threats. Um, I'm just going to start by saying I associate this with Ross because on the one hand, <laughs> he's very um, considerate about data and facts and science. And then on the other hand, he is completely goofy. He rollerblades into his lecture theatres and he has his belief in um, Unagi, um, the element of surprise. So... Mm -hmm. um, so I think that that makes him a little bit schizophrenic at times, the opposite styles, which fits in nicely with the strengths being mirrored, uh, the weaknesses being mirrored by the weak, um, strengths and the um, threats being mirrored by the opportunities. And I think mm. sometimes we spend a little bit too long worrying about um, the threats and the weaknesses. And actually, we should be focusing more on how we can use our, our strengths and our opportunities. To, to mitigate mm. against those weaknesses and threats and um, so I'm thinking um, you know health and safety audits basically you could use a SWOT analysis on your you've got a health yeah. and safety audit what's the immediate mm. threat to the school you know you haven't got an asbestos register in place well it's, yeah. that's not a threat if you haven't got asbestos in your school but if you have then that's that's quite a big threat and you shouldn't have contractors working on site in areas where there's asbestos so how do you overcome that? Um, you might, you know, an opportunity, maybe CPD for your site manager or for yourself. Um, or you could use a strength. It could, could be somebody in your mat who's, um, who's got experience of um, setting up an asbestos register. So little examples like that, really. So again, you don't need to necessarily write a grid, go to a leadership team meeting with your SWOT grid there. It could be that you've already thought of these things through and you want to um, discuss the weaknesses and the threats and, and and get other people's opinions on them because they might have a different opinion on, on what a threat is um, to the school. Yeah, it kind of gives a framework to the, the conversation, doesn't it? Yeah. I was just thinking yeah. when you were talking as well about the pestle and the SWOT, they kind of can go hand in hand, can't they? Because you could do your pestle analysis. And then do the SWOT analysis in context, looking at how yeah. to to kind of internally deal with those external factors, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I said about uh, if you're good, if you're new to a school, uh, you might want to do a personal analysis. I think you have to be a little bit careful if you then say, "No, I'm going to do a SWOT analysis of my new school." That could mm -hmm. rub people's backs up the wrong way. So, I think you'd have to be quite careful about. Um, how and when you'd introduce your oh look I've done this sort of analysis of our school you could really especially if you don't know it that well <laughs> yeah you could really want so yeah. yeah so timing is everything everyone listening don't do a SWOT analysis straight away <laughs> well 
Well, you can. You can do it internally, write to yourself, but don't ever share that yeah. notebook with anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've done pestle and SWOT. Is there anything else in the, the diagnostic phase? Actually, there is. I said to you there was two, but there's actually three um, because right. we've got um, integrated curriculum financial planning, ICFP. Ah, um, oh, yes, which, ICFP. Yeah, ICFP. <laughs> how could I even forget that? So, um, <laughs> It's incredibly data-driven. Um, obviously, you're looking at um, school income, um, not just uh, revenue income, but also um, self-generated income, and also looking at expenditure. So a lot of data there. And you're, you're basically using that information to create 12 key metrics, um, which are looking at staffing, basically. You know, give you some examples. You've got pupil-teacher ratio, um, average teacher cost, average class mm. size, things like that. So it's, you know, incredibly data um, rich. And also um, the diagnostic part of it is massive. So you can have some really great conversations about what your your budget that you set when you put it into an ICFP, what, what it's showing you. And, um, and then you can create scenarios from that. So you might think that you're going to have... Um, a full pan but actually you've also heard that there's a new school opening down the road and you might not have all of your reception children in that year so what would the impact be on your on your school budget and your ICFP and can you afford to replace a certain member of staff who might be retiring or leaving but also if you know you you know we've all had a um a drop this year haven't we in self-generated income and so what's the impact of losing or gaining self-generated income on your budget what what would that mean that you can now do as a result with your school resources but the conversations that the the school business leader will be having with their leadership team colleagues would be about okay the school can afford it can't afford it or how should we mitigate against um those scenarios what can we do differently how can we how can we just deliver our curriculum but in a slightly different way so it's yeah, you, like, the SBL will be creating the data, putting it all in, and then almost standing back and and letting them discuss. But being involved it's in interesting. the discussion as well. <laughs> the order that you've put these in, I like it because PESTLE is external. So what is internal? An ICFP is almost trying to you know quantify some of these issues or, yeah. or identify whether there is a cost issue. So it literally naturally kind of narrows down the focus. It, it drills it down even further, doesn't it? But yeah. also, I think with with the ICFP, you can really, like I said, the scenarios, you can really change things and see the impact of gaining five, losing five students. And, and you know, if you're looking forward, um, you know, incremental drift, you know, you've got a, a teacher that's yeah. moving from TMS6 up to UPS1. And look what the impact's going to be in three years' time. If you've got all yeah. of your um, teaching staff that are going to be going through threshold and going into UPS, what impact that's going to have in three years' time. Yeah. And I think sometimes having that tool, it almost opens up the eyes for other members of the leadership team and, and you know, it, it will help them understand their school better, I think. I was going to say, as soon as you put a figure on it, it does tend to focus the mind. <laughs> a little bit, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, and I think I might know the answer to this one, but if IFCFP um, is a friend's character, which one are you saying it is? I think it's Monica because she is such ah, a control right. freak. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and obviously, you all know she has 11 categories of towels. I can't name all those categories, but she does have 11, <laughs> which is similar. Fancy, fancy test. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yeah. Carry on. <laughs> um, and um, so, but yeah, it's similar to the 12 metrics, you know, 12, 11 categories of towel, towels, 12 metrics of the ITFP. But also she's a mm. chef. Um, so she has to balance the right mixture of ingredients, doesn't she, to produce consistently high quality meals which I mm. think that's what you're really doing with the ICFP. You're trying to balance the right mixture of staffing costs and with your income and other expenditure um, to get the yeah. best um, school resource management, basically. So, yeah, it's Monica. Oh, I'm, I'm glad I was right about that one. <laughs> so in terms, of, in terms of ICFP, obviously, it's, it's a well-documented process there's lots of information out there um but if someone wants to go and find some more information now where is the best place to go um i think i would have a look at the dfd website they've got a whole section about school resource management and icfp and they you know sometimes they put on free webinars as well which i think is a good starting point definitely right okay so we have done three tools in the diagnostic phase we've done PESL, swat and icfp where are we going next we're going to go to the prioritisation stage of the strategic improvement cycle. Okay. So um, this is Moscow. Um, so Moscow is must have, should have, could have, won't have. And have you heard of it before, Laura? No, I actually haven't. No, this is a new one on me. Okay. This is one that I've learned from my husband who is, um, I don't actually know what his job is, Laura. But it's something to do with sort of project management and program management. Um, Is your husband Chandler? He could be, yeah. He's not as funny as Chandler. <laughs> Bless him. I hope he never listens to this. Um, so, yeah, he, he sort of does software development, project management, I think. And he uses it on me, actually, which is really annoying. So, for example, recently... <laughs> I quite fancied buying a new um, vacuum cleaner. I thought, I know, I'm going to buy a shark because I've heard lots of good things about this. So um, I wanted to get one. And he said, well, um, all vacuum cleaners now have um, a much lower wattage than our current vacuum cleaner. This is the level of conversation we have, Laura. It's so fascinating. <laughs> so um, so basically, any model that we that we should be um, we should be considering to buy should however have the same or a higher wattage than our current one. And as that isn't possible, we shouldn't be replacing it, which I think is really unfair. So um, yes, he uses it against me. But um, so basically, yeah, that it should have something and it hasn't got it. But I think it it also helps this. It you know, and it does. All joking aside, it does frame the prioritisation. Of, of various tasks and, and helps you reach a common understanding. So everyone is agreed what the must-have is and everyone's mm. agreeing what the won't-have is. And then you have the little sort of grey area in the middle about the should-have and the could-have. And I think if you break down almost like your wish list or um, your plan for a project into these four categories and you're discussing it with all the stakeholders, no one should be under... Um, no one should be disappointed that it yeah. that your project hasn't got something they thought it was going to have because we all agreed at the beginning yeah. that we weren't going to have it, that sort of thing. So it's um yeah it, it the must haves are basically the critical things that you need. So say you yeah. had um you were setting up a breakfast club, um so the must have for the breakfast club is that the school is open in the morning, 
early enough to hold off seven eight, and that you've got staff in there. The the should have is that uh, you have enough pupils to attend to make it financially viable, for example. So therefore, you're going to put some effort into marketing it and making sure that people know and um, can access the facility. And then the could have would be um, maybe some additional resources that are just for breakfast club use for no other school use, just the breakfast club, maybe uh, a friend's DVD, something like that. I'm not sure friends is actually suitable for primary school kids. Um, and then um, a, a won't have would be um, a disco every Friday at breakfast club, that sort of thing. So yeah. I've done a really silly example, but you can see that if everyone agrees that you know your, your breakfast club leader who loves the disco isn't going to be having a disco every week, it's yeah. It's, um, everyone everyone understands um but it it's manages also, expectations it manages expectations definitely but also it helps us prioritize what we need to do when we're when we're trying to create that project um yeah. so no one is going to be focusing on booking a disco because we're never yeah. having it but actually what we are going to focus on is that the school building is going to be open in the morning and you know have you got a caretaker that's going to open it in the morning and have you got the right trained staff to run the session um, so that's what yeah. thing, really. um, it's also good for us isn't it I think as school business leaders to be clear on our priorities because sometimes definitely. we can have conversations can't we and we think we've left with a consensus or a clear mutual understanding and then it turns out you know we've both got the wrong end of the stick you know definitely yeah that, and that's easily easily done um, yeah and because people you know they, there's an assumption isn't there that yeah you completely know what I'm thinking and yes. you don't <laughs> It removes all the all the possible avenues of potential confusion. <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely, definitely. So, yeah, like talking that. about confusion um, and um, expectation, I associate Moscow with Rachel um, because, apart from the fact that she was a fashion buyer, she, you know, she often must have the latest fashions, um, ah, yeah. and, and she had a bit of a learning process to do, didn't she, about um, <laughs> she what did. real life was like, like. We'll associate that with Rachel. yeah I like it so is there anything else in the prioritization phase um no no I think if we move now on to the 100 day plan phase um we've right. got a tool for that um and that's again a tool that I'm sure lots of people have used before which is um smart um for your objectives so mm. they're as you can probably list, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, um, and timely. So um, I've associated Joey with SMART, A, because he's not You have to convince smart. me of this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, he, you know, he would classify himself as an actor when actually he's dressed up as a gladiator in a Las Vegas casino. So <laughs> he, you know, he thinks he's achieved his, his objective. Um, but maybe if someone was actually um, defining the objective of being an actor, it wouldn't be a gladiator in a Las Vegas casino. I don't know. Um, so yeah, that, that's why I've associated that with him. But I think um, so for for mats who uh, are a certain size, they might be doing well. They should be doing a streamlined energy carbon report every year. And I think that what we'll see over the next couple of years when we've got more data about our, our energy and our carbon is that, you know, the whole aim of that is to reduce our carbon footprint and to reduce the 
um, our energy consumption. So we can really associate some some really good smart objectives to reducing um, that energy consumption. You know, the data we we we'll be able to see it. We'll be able to measure it. I don't know whether it's always always achievable. Um, I just put that in there because you know the whole COVID nineteen pandemic at the minute and the fact that we're heating our rooms and we've got the windows open. You know, this is just like yeah. a business leader's nightmare, isn't it? What do you mean yes. you've got the windows open? Um, <laughs> so I, I think that it you know having those tools, having um, smart objectives about how we're going to reduce our energy consumption and um, our carbon uh, footprint is really handy and useful and I think we can also share these with um, other stakeholders particularly students I think they yeah. are we're learning a lot from them aren't we about sustainability and about reducing energy mm. and I think they'll also hold schools to account you said that we were going to reduce our data we haven't um, yeah. we won't be able to hide um, so I quite like that actually I like that it's not um, sitting just purely within performance management either because the smart I always associate with performance management and targets for performance management but they say it's widely useful in other areas ah right that's interesting yeah I suppose yeah I've used it in performance management um and appraisal targets and um but I, I've also used them in other action plans you know for well yeah like sustainability actually I've used them in the past and um and and helping your health and safety you know if you've got a lot of work to do on your health and safety audit um, outcomes um, you can use them for that as well I think also um, trustees and governors particularly like them because yes. they they know okay at this next meeting I should be able to ask you a question about this because I can see that there's an objective here that says you're going to finish it by then so um, it supports accountability doesn't it definitely definitely which I think is is helpful for the SBL because it also can help them prioritise their workload. Look, you said that this is the objective to finish it by this time or in this way. Um, I need to prioritise and, and complete that piece of work. And I suppose if, if we looked at it, it wouldn't say it explicitly, um, but the school development plan should probably kind of be structured in this way, wouldn't it? With specific aims and objectives, the measurements, how they're defined when it's achieved. Um, yes. Yeah, so that would also follow that, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think also uh, sort of on a, I know we're talking about tools for the SBL to use in, in leadership team meetings, but also for them to use for themselves, you know, their own career development, their own um, yeah. targets. I think we can definitely do that. That's when I've yes. most recently done an action plan for myself, actually. <laughs> <laughs> to hold others to account and to hold ourselves to account and give yeah. us some focus. I like it. Yeah. It's clarity, isn't it? Yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, it's good stuff. So we've done the hundred day plan. What's next? Um, so we're gonna look at the evaluation phase now within the um, strategic improvement cycle. So a tool which will be useful for this is the five whys, which is basically a technique um for exploring the cause and effect relationships underlying a particular problem. So you right. keep repeating the question why until you get to the root cause of, of that defect or that problem. So um, I think this is, is a good tool for using if you're trying to challenge the status quo, um, especially mm -hmm. if someone says, well, we've always done it this way. Um, oh, but what I'm still frustrated. But what I would <laughs> say is don't sound like a toddler 
asking the question why five times it might be that you in you're in the conversation with your leadership team and someone else has asked the question why about something and you can follow it up drilling down to the next level but Mm -hmm. whatever you do do not sound like a toddler is is basically it but if you do if you do drill down you you do actually end up with the root cause which you can then start trying to solve and try to evaluate as to what went wrong why did it go wrong what what can what can you do to mitigate um that problem happening again so it is a really useful um a really useful tool i think you can you know you're, you're demonstrating curiosity and if you do it in that sort of friendly approachable way rather than in a um accusational way i think you probably get further you get more from it yeah it, it makes you question yourself as well doesn't it yeah well, well like you say you know that phrase we've always done it this way well why do we do it this way you know I won't go to any examples but you know it does make you question everything because you become become quite complacent with what's going on around you sometimes you don't question it because you you become part of the 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 kind of issue don't you you've always done it this way and you've not thought of anything different and and you know you know that feeling when someone challenges you about it well why have you always done it that way and you Yep. take a step back don't you and then you go well because and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> but there might be a pretty good reason why you've always done it that way and as yep. long as you can explain that and and that good yep. reason is still a good reason it, it you know those five whys have helped everybody understand it so yeah it is an evaluation tool and hopefully it doesn't get too personal either yes yes um, absolutely you want to avoid that so you're probably wondering who I associate with the five Y's then, aren't you? Yes. And you should know who the only one is left. I say the only one left. And it kind of makes sense to me now I'm thinking about it. Because I was thinking, really? But yeah, it's got to be Phoebe. It has to be Phoebe. <laughs> yeah, why do you think I do the... Because she, she always has that, doesn't she? She doesn't see things the way a lot of other people see them. So she's always no. questioning everyone, isn't she? Definitely definitely but also she I, I think she also she does do things differently you know think about when she was teaching joey to play guitar it was tiger claw or bear claw rather than yeah. the actual chord names yeah um yeah so she is happy to do things differently which i think is good and like you say she does always ask the question why um of everyone uh, else yeah Definitely. Something that has struck me as we've gone through them, and like I say, you know, I could see it, especially in the diagnostic phase, everything kind of building up and we're, we're going into the granular detail and we're testing out, you know, our our thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just trying to that all of these tools can also be useful in the context of risk management. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, just, you know, going back to the beginning, you're, you're, pestle, you're, you're assessing all those threats, aren't you, um, mm. that are facing the organisation. And, and your SWOT analysis, you're looking at your weaknesses and your threats and how you're going to mitigate mm. those. So, yeah, it is a good tool to maybe help populate your risk register a little bit. Um, but yeah. also to have the conversations, because I think that's really important, is to have the conversations to understand what mitigations you're putting in place, you know, like the scenario planning and, and the ICFP and how you're using yeah. um, resources across your school. But also... Um, you can test the, the mitigations by using um, the Moscow and the five five Ys. You know, yeah. is that is that mitigation going to be enough? Um, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Yeah. 
And then, of course, you can buy in your smart accountability, your yeah. smart targets. So, yeah, it does all link into risk management, definitely. So we said at the beginning this was about helping school business leaders have strategic conversations. Um, but what advice would you give to any school business leaders who may not be on the SLT or attend the SLT meetings but want to be more strategic? Yeah, that is really tricky. And um yeah, I my heart goes out to those people because I've been there and it is really tough, but just persevere and, and stick with it. And I, I think I would um I would try and demonstrate your strategic thinking as much as you can. So it might be that you're you're having your one-to-one with um with say your line manager and you're showing them your thinking via these tools, or you might have to be more subtle yeah. and, and not actually come prepared with the grid. Um, but I would go prepared with your ICFP metrics, for example. Mm. Um, and and then when you're talking about your own um, performance management, you know, talk about smart targets. I think you need to demonstrate that um, that you are a strategic thinker and, and these tools can help you demonstrate that or help you get your thinking um, to, to be more strategic. I would definitely, you know, as I said before about the, the five whys, be subtle um and about how you use that in conversation and i think Mm. also about how you make your notes um in a meeting or when you're having um what in any discussion basically you could use them in a structured way you know the the moscow what you must have what you don't need to have um you can Mm. you can use the smart targets in your in your um in your own notes and and then i think you've got to be comfortable with those tools haven't you yeah, and I'm thinking as well, um, like you say, these tools, you if you're familiar with them, you can use them to frame questions. Yeah. So you could say, okay, so what so you know, um what is the you know the target date for this to be done? Um yeah. you know, what how will we know when when we've done it? You know, what what would you like me to prioritize? You know, what what can we live without? So you can yeah. start framing questions in that way. Yeah, definitely. And and check their understanding, I think would be mm. really, really handy. Yeah. All right, good. So I hate to put you on the spot with this one, but if you could pick your favourite tool, which one would it be? Um, I think I'd probably say um, ICFP because I am an SRMA. Um, but also I, I think mm-hmm. it, it tells you a lot about your school and you can have lots of really good discussions about it, especially all the different scenarios that you could play into it. So I think I would say, uh, yeah, ICFP. Does that mean that Monica is your favourite friend? It might be. <laughs> or that I closely identify <laughs> with Monica. <laughs> do you closely identify with Monica, Laura? Unfortunately, I do. And I think my husband would agree with that as well. <laughs> I, I wonder whether um, if you did a Venn diagram of most SBMs, how many of them would be Monica, really? Rather than yes, I'd love it if any friends fans are listening and identify with Monica make yourself known to us yes, we <laughs> need to know that we're not on our own <laughs> okay um, so before we finish have you got any final thoughts um, on these tools or anything you'd like to share yeah um, I would just like to say I, I do understand that the TV series Friends isn't perfect um, there are <laughs> lots of shortcomings with it I also think these tools aren't particularly perfect um, there are advantages and disadvantages um, for definite. So I think the most important thing you could probably do is um, is kiss. That is keep it simple, stupid, 
Um, <laughs> so, you know, this is a tool that you probably shouldn't say out loud, um, especially if you're new to your leadership team. But it's something that you might have to have in the back of your mind, that principle that um, if you're going to try and make something work, it probably needs to be simple for people to understand mm-hmm. and for them to implement um, and also for you to design. So um, that's, that, that is a final um, word of advice, I suppose, is to keep it simple, stupid. Um, that's not you, Laura. That is the phrase. Okay. <laughs> um, and then also, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, an SBL from a primary school background, um, a, a waggle, what a good one looks mm. like. And I yes. think if you have what a good one looks like via, you know, a colleague on SBL Twitter, via a colleague within your map or or from the DFE website, for example, um, then mm. then use that because that's a good way of keeping things simple and it also helps other people understand the Moscow elements, the must-have, should-have, uh, etc. Um, aspects of that piece of work. So um, I like that. Yeah, good. Thank you. So if people have got any questions and want to get in touch with you um, to talk about these tools more, where can they find you? Yeah, they can find me at Sally Bowden's SBL Twitter account because Sally Bowden put me up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Um, no, um, she doesn't my... mean it. She doesn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, my Twitter handle is at septcero at cplt, um, and I've also got um, a website which is called um, wafflesofansbl.com, and um, okay, I occasionally waffle on there. <laughs> well, I've really enjoyed speaking to you today. We, I don't think we've waffled at all. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Laura. And for sharing your other friends. <laughs> well, I look forward to sharing another friend's gift with you on Twitter soon. And hopefully in 2021, we might actually get to meet because that would be lovely. Really good. It would. I, I can't wait. Cool. So thank you so much, Helen. And there you have it. Six friends, six tools and lots of strategies. If you'd like to continue the conversation about anything you've heard in today's episode, you can find Helen's details and mine in the show notes on my website at www.ljbusinessofeducation.co.uk. I shall be waiting for all of you monikers to make yourself known. Remember, the show is available in all of the podcast directories. Just make sure you hit the subscribe button in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. Also, if you listen to today's episode and you're on social media, let me know what you think. You can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under the same name at Laura LJ Business. See you next week.